This morning I want to talk to you about something that I think all of us know pretty well about. It's the reason why Americans drink more coffee in the world than any other country in the world. It's the reason why we have alarm clocks. It's the reason why thousands and thousands of dollars get spent towards wonderful and beautiful mattresses that are just help us sleep like a cloud. And that's called sleep. Anybody know something about sleep? Or maybe you wish you knew something more about sleep. You're having a hard time with sleep. Sleepiness is a hard thing for a lot of us, right? A lot of us, the Bible, I mean, the statistics are telling us in the world, in the U.S. right now, that more Americans have trouble sleeping than at any point in the world, at any point in the time in history. Various of reasons, various of times, especially now with conditions of heightened anxiety and stress. But I want to talk to you this morning about a different sleepiness and a sleepiness that sometimes the Bible warns us about can affect the soul, that can help or can inhibit us from growing in the faith. And that's what I want to talk to you this morning is about fighting sleepiness, fighting sleepiness. Sleepiness is something that all of us are called to deal with in our spiritual lives. We're called to address, we're called to be on a guard and be on alert, to be watchful, to be aware, to be awake. And you're going to realize this morning that what we're going to talk about is not something that Jesus just drops a verse here and there and maybe mentions casually. This is a theme of the New Testament being on guard, being vigilant, being watchful, being aware, always watching, always fighting, and being alert to what is about to come. And this morning, we're going to read a, ver- a chapter in the Bible, and uh, we're going to read in Luke. I apologize, the guys in the back, I think I gave you the wrong chapter. It's Luke chapter 12 this morning that we're going to look at, and we're going to read a passage where Jesus talks to them about basically being sleepy spiritually. Because Jesus understood that in his day and age that there was this thing that had happened. Before Jesus came, he noticed that as he looked around that there had become a great number of people who had fallen asleep. They had missed out on the work that God was doing and the life of temple, the life of worshiping God was nothing more than cooking a meal in their kitchen or going to bed or playing with the kids. It was just another thing that they did. It didn't have any value or there was nothing special about it. It was just another practice in their life. And really what had happened is they had fell asleep on God. They had fell asleep. And so this morning I want to read to you a passage of scripture where Jesus addresses sleepiness really. And he calls them to watchfulness and being alert. And we're going to read in Luke chapter 12 verse 35. Be dressed. And I'm sorry, I'm going to read to you from the NIV today. So if you're joining me. Be dressed, ready for service. And keep your lamps burning. I want to read that verse again because this is a unique verse Uh, Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning. This is a unique verse because Luke wrote this. And Luke's gospel is a very unique gospel. Luke talks about the kingdom of God a lot. That is his message that he talks a lot about. And he shows this emphasis. Luke includes a lot of details in his writing. And so this is one of those verses that is a little bit more unique than we get from the other gospels. Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning. Now, that might not mean a lot to us today in our context, but hopefully if we do some kind of contextual understanding, we'll see how much it might mean for us today. 
He tells them, do it like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. And you're going to notice that Jesus repeats himself this phrase right here a few times. It will be good. And the first thing he says is, it will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, he, the master, will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Now, it's important, just a little side note for those who like to study the Bible. This is a little interesting fact here, is that Jesus tells them, the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect Him. He's telling this to the disciples, and quite frankly, the disciples have no clue what He's talking about. They had no clue to understand, wait, Jesus is even going to die. He's going to raise again, and then He's going to ascend in heaven, and then He's going to come back. That picture had not crossed their minds yet. But Jesus gave this to them, and obviously somebody wrote it down and recorded it for their later reading. So Peter asked the question. Peter's always good at asking the right questions. Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? So he was saying, Jesus, are you talking to us disciples or are you talking to everyone in this crowd? Perhaps it was because Jesus used the word son of man and he thought, well, Jesus is going to come back for us, his disciples. Maybe that thought had crossed their mind. We don't know. The Lord answered with a question, as he often did. Who then is the faithful and wise manager who the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? Here it is, that phrase again. It will be good. It will be good. For that servant, when the master finds doing so, when he returns, I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions but suppose the servant says to himself, my master is taking a long time in coming. And then he begins to beat the men servants and maid servants and to eat and drink and get drunk. And the master, that servant, will come on a day when he does not expect him at an hour he is not aware of. And he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. What a strong verse there. Strong language that Jesus uses here. But Jesus is making a point about being watchful and ready. You know, I've been known to apparently be a, a kind of a snob about my coffee. I find that I've been picked on about it as well, that I have to have my coffee a certain way. Don't put any sugar, don't put any cream. It's got to come right out of the espresso machine, add a little bit of water. It's perfect. And I do that as it's just the joy of my life, like something to keep me going, keep me awake. I enjoy the taste of coffee. It keeps us alert. It keeps us going. All of us enjoy a cup of coffee. But what Jesus is talking here is more than a cup of coffee. It's more than an alarm clock. What Jesus is talking about here is a spiritual condition that is paramount to the soul. A spiritual condition that all of us have to be alert and watching and ready for. And one of the things that Jesus did in Jesus' ministry was that he specialized in waking people up. Now that sounds a little simple, but Jesus did. We see this over and over again. As a matter of fact, Jesus even teaches his disciples this as we see here. That Jesus had a way of his earthly ministry 
actually physically waking people up, but it was also a spiritual awakening to what was happening before them. We see this in Mark chapter 5, where the Jairus comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, Jesus, my daughter is dying. And he pleads with her, come heal her. And then as they get news, before Jesus even got there, and he said, we're sorry, Jairus, she died. But Jesus speaks up and says something really interesting, as he did with another person we're going to talk about in a moment. Jesus speaks up and says, wait a minute, Jairus, she's not dead, she's only asleep. So Jesus walks into the room with this young girl and speaks to her a Hebrew phrase that says basically get up and this little girl who was supposedly dead or Jesus said had just fallen asleep raises up. What an amazing thing that happened. The same thing happened once again when the disciples, when Jesus was with the disciples and they were in a faraway town from their brother Lazarus and they had got word, Lazarus is dead. And Jesus' first response to them was, no, Lazarus is not dead. He's only asleep. And it's interesting that Jesus would equate death with a sleepiness. He even goes on in Matthew chapter 26 as he's in the garden to pray. And he tells his disciples to watch and pray. Don't fall asleep. And he actually rebukes them for falling asleep as he asks them to pray with them. Jesus even goes on in the, in the parable before that moment of entering the garden and teaches the parable of the ten virgins and encourages them to be watchful, to be ready. Don't fall asleep on the job. Always be vigilant. Like, like the virgins who were there, they weren't prepared. Their oil, their, they didn't have any oil in their lamps. Jesus' ministry itself, watch what he does. We see this over and over again. The Bible tells us is that he opened blind eyes. Now, somebody who's blind and their eyes become open, don't you think they're going to see things a little differently? The Bible says that he opened deaf ears. Now, don't you think somebody who can't hear and hears again for the first time, there is a sort of an awakening that happens? The Bible says that he loosed or healed the lame, those who could no longer use the functions of limbs, they could walk again. There was an awakening to a sense of something is new and present about this moment. He did this over and over throughout his ministry. And what was really happening was, is that Jesus' ministry of earthly healings was a physical manifestation of a spiritual awakening. And what Jesus was doing by opening blind eyes, yes, he was healing them so they could live their earthly life. He was loosing the tongues that were tied. He was helping the lame to walk. But really what Jesus was doing had nothing really so much to do with the physical part of it at all as much as he was concerned about the spiritual part of it was that through the healing, through the opening of the eyes, and through the awakening of the daughter who had fallen asleep, was that they might see and behold and become alert and aware to the work that God was doing. The Bible tells another story of a woman who was mourning her son. And the Bible says that there were the, the guys, the men, who were carrying the coffin, and they were having a, a parade down the street as they would to mourn and grieve. And there they were, and Jesus saw this that was happening, and Jesus went over, and he brought that boy back to life. He sat up in that coffin in the middle of this funeral procession in the street, and he became alert and aware to hear is Jesus before me. Now talk about a funeral. That was one to remember. You see the picture really what I'm trying to get at is, is that Jesus was always about bringing us 
awake. Whether it was a physical healing, whether it was answering a prayer, whether it was deliverance, whether it was coming back from the dead, whatever it was, it was always about becoming aware and aware and awake to the work of God right now here presently before us. So this is why he taught us to pray. Lord, when you pray this way, the disciple says, teach us to pray. He says, pray this way. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And when he talks about the kingdom, he uses language like entering into the kingdom, beholding the kingdom, and seeing the kingdom. And really what the awakeness and the alertness was all about was becoming aware and alert as Jesus and John the Baptist had proclaimed, the kingdom of God is here. Am I going to join in with it? The gospel, Jesus, the kingdom of God is about waking it's about waking up. It's about our spiritual soul that has lied dormant because of sin. Or perhaps it was a spiritual soul that was awake and alert and freed by the power of forgiveness but had fallen asleep once again. The gospel is about waking up. And Paul says it in these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says it this way. If our gospel, in verse 3, 2 Corinthians 4 and 3, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Watch what he says about this. He says, the God of this age. Now when you read that in your Bible, that's not a capital G God, that's a lowercase g God. The God of this age, the enemy of the world, his name is Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. I want you to do me a favor real quick. Would you just close your eyes right now where you're at? Just close your eyes for a moment. Now, if all the lights were off in here, you wouldn't see anything, really. But even as your eyes are closed, you're seeing darkness. You're seeing something that is not like life. And what Jesus is saying, and you can open your eyes, is that this, what Paul is saying, is this is what the God of this age has done. Is that he has closed the eyes and you can't see anything. It's like as if we're trying to live light in darkness and trying to navigate through this world with there is a blindfold over us. And if you can only imagine how difficult that is. And what he's saying is, is that what the gospel does, as he goes on to say, is they can't see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And what he's saying is that the gospel is an awakening. It's a beholding presently all the things around me. It's becoming awake and alert to the work of God right now that he's doing. No longer am I blind, as the great, as the great John Newton wrote in The Amazing Grace. I once was blind. And he wasn't talking about a physical blindness. And you know, in John Newton's later years of his life, he actually went blind. And what he was talking about was, spiritually speaking, I once was blind. But now because I know Jesus, my eyes have become opened. I have become aware and fully know the work of God right now presently that he is doing and inviting me to be a part of. The gospel is about waking up. And this is something you and I have to, as we're going to see the next few moments, always be on guard for. Or as Jesus says here, be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning. 
Because sleepiness is a condition that can come and happen to any of us because the Bible teaches us that the enemy, who is like a lion, he is roaming the earth. He's seeking whom he may devour. The God of this age, as Peter, or as Paul calls him, has blindfolded us. And the danger is, is that you and I might fall asleep again and become blindfolded to whatever God is calling us to do. And sometimes it happens in spiritual waywardness. People who were once serving God, but something happened and they fell away from the Lord. God is calling us to waking up. So he says it this way, be dressed ready for service. Literally, in the original language, this means, let your loins be girded. And that's not a phrase that we use today, because none of us are wearing loins. But it is a phrase that meant a lot to them in this day, let your loins be girded, because it borrows instruction from Israel regarding the Passover, that they were to eat with their loins girded. And that is that their long robes were supposed to be belted up in order that their feet might be able to run. And be ready for action. And you can imagine this kind of picture. Here they are wearing their long robes going down the streets. And you can imagine how difficult it might have been to try to run in one of those. And so what he's saying, let your loins be girded, is he's telling them, belt it up a little bit so that you can be ready to run for action at any moment. And this was what Jesus was calling them to do. And he points them to keep your lamps burning. In other words, disciples are to be a kind of people who were always on alert. And this idea of keeping your lamps burning was at nighttime. It would have been customary to put the lamp out so that they could go to sleep, right? We do that, unless you have a nightlight like me. You turn it off so that you can sleep. And what he was telling them, spiritually speaking, is different. Don't put the lamp out. Keep it burning so that you can watch. Because the moment that the lamp goes out, imagine, you can't see what's happening in that room. And he goes on to give them the image of a thief. And if a thief is running through your house and your lamp is out, you can't see what's going on in the moment. So he encourages them, keep your lamps burning. And he begins to tell them a threefold thing that I want to walk through with you this morning. And he tells them, it will be good. Now listen. Any times Jesus ever says it will be good, it will be good for us as Christians to hear what that good thing is. Because when Jesus talks about goodness, it is good. It is always good. So he says to them, it will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will dress himself to serve and he will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. Now if you are um, living in this day and age and you're hearing this image of a master who is getting ready to prepare something for his servants, this was a little bit countercultural. Because how many masters were sitting down at the tables with their servants and preparing a meal to eat with them? Not only was he preparing a meal, but he says he will dress himself to serve. And what Jesus does is he's painting a countercultural image to what happens when you and I live our lives watching, and maybe a better word for us to understand is waiting. 
And waking up is all about watching for God's work, waiting for God's work. And we've said this before, and I've said it before in sermons, that waiting is not this just sitting where I'm at and hoping that something will happen. Waiting is an active process that causes us to engage with God simply while we are waiting for His direction, for His guidance, and where He's going to lead us. And what he calls us to first do as disciples and to fight off sleepiness is to continually be watching and waiting. Watching and waiting. And the idea of watching is simply being alert in this present moment to what God is doing in the earth and how can I join it and how can I become aware and be a participant in it. It's the idea of God is doing something wonderful in the earth and it will be good when the day comes and all of this wraps up and Jesus comes and finds us and you and I, we weren't doing nothing. We we weren't just wasting time. We were watching. We were being vigilant to continually say, and that's why we have this month of prayer and fasting because we are continually saying, Lord, what are you doing? How do we join in it? Where are the open doors? Where are you leading me? How do I participate in it? Because listen, the truth is, is that God is... always at work. The question is who will participate? God is always doing wonderful things on the earth. When Jesus comes back, he's going to come back for a bride that is ready. And the question to you and I is I wonder if Jesus will come back. I wonder if the day will come. No, the question is, are we ready? Are we watching and waiting and inviting ourselves and inviting to be participants in the work that God is doing in the earth? And Jesus says, if so, here's what I want you to see. At the day when you and I are gathered around. Jesus loves to talk about the table. He talked about the table once again here. He says it's going to be like a master. He's going to prepare a great table. And you know what he's going to do at that table? He's going to prepare a banquet. He's going to prepare a meal. And he's going to invite us all in. And he himself will serve us. It's the idea that watching is exhausting. Watching is tiring. This is why Paul would preach to them, be not weary in well-doing. Because sometimes watching and sometimes being alert is draining. Sometimes it's exhausting. Sometimes it's spiritually overwhelming because we realize in this thing that we're doing and watching, our fight is not against this flesh and blood. Our fight is against principalities and powers. The God of this age who has blinded the mind of the unbeliever. That's our fight. And so watching can sometimes become an emptying process. But what Jesus promises is, is that there's going to come a day when you and I are invited to this place called eternity to be at the table. And we are not just going to be watching anymore, wondering when is the Son of Man coming, wondering is He ever going to come again. No, you and I are going to be watching Him serve us, looking Him face to face, and we will know in the end that was all worth it, watching. And now I'm beholding Him right here before me. Listen, I can't imagine any greater joy in life than when you and I sit down at that table that Jesus figuratively talks about, but also Revelation actually talks about this marriage supper of the Lamb where you and I are with Him for eternity. What a wonderful picture of all of the labor, all of the watching, all of the time that has gone in. God promises there is a reward for those. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. Isn't that wonderful? The second thing that Jesus says is he says, it will be good for those servants who his master finds them ready. Even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night, it will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready. 
Here is the problem with most of our world and the problem with a lot of believers nowadays is we are not ready. And we're not ready simply because when God is calling us, when God is speaking, we sometimes become resistant to the voice of God that is calling us to be transformed, to change, to surrender, to lay it all down at the feet of Jesus and give our all to him. Readiness is the one thing that God is continually waiting for and inviting his people because there is always this idea, and especially now today, it's rampant in our world, is there is this kind of distant fear of God. I believe in God, but not right now. I know God is real, but I can live today without him. It's this idea that I have learned to be successful on my own. And when the day comes that I need God, I'll go whip him out of my utility belt and just hope that he'll help me then. But listen, how far of an image that is for the gospel that isn't readiness that's called some type of idol out of ourselves. And it isn't the image that Jesus conveyed. He called them to be ready right now. And he says this, he goes on to even emphasize this so much so that when he comes in the second or third watch of the night, basically, you kind of expect him to come in that 9 to 12 window when you're not really sleepy, but when he comes in that 12 to 3 window, that 3 to 6 window, when you really start to sleep, when you get into a deep sleep, when you're ready even in that moment, that's when it will be good. Readiness is not something that you and I can delay And oftentimes when the person who says to themselves, I'm not ready, it's often because of delaying time. I will choose my day when to serve the Lord. But listen, you and I are not promised tomorrow. Readiness means right now today is the moment to be ready. Ready, ready, ready. It's this idea that when Jesus comes and he says, let's get to work, this idea when God speaks, our loins are girded and we're ready for action. We don't have to say, well, like the, the parable of the ten virgins. They said, let me go get a little bit of oil for my lamp. There was no time for that. It was right now today. And readiness invokes the sense of, I have to, in this moment today, surrender my life. And I hope then that you'll understand this, that what Jesus is looking for in readiness is not a person who's got it all together. It's not a person who has all their baggage cleaned up and everything in their life is wonderful and beautiful. And they say, I'm ready, Lord. They have their suitcase packed and said, let's go. No. Readiness oftentimes in the believer's life is more like the person who has clothes thrown all over the room. They don't even have the clothes washed. They haven't even gone to the store to buy the toiletries. It's the kind of a mess of a thing, but it's the person who says, Lord, I don't even have it all together, but I'm still here ready. That's the image of the gospel. Is God isn't calling people to be perfect. If God was calling to be people to be perfect, he wouldn't have sent his son Jesus. Jesus is calling us to come to Jesus so that in Jesus you and I may be sanctified until we are perfect forevermore with him. Being ready means right now today I will be available and surrender my life to the Lord. This was the story of the disciples was Jesus came, walked up to them right in their moment of their jobs, their careers, and disrupted them. And said, hey guys, wake up. The Messiah is here. Follow me. It was the idea that Jesus is present right now. So just follow him. Just go where he goes. Just surrender your life to him. Be ready. And the third thing he says here, the last thing he says, it will be good for those servants who, or I'm sorry, it will be good for that servant who the master finds doing so when he returns. It will be good for that servant who the master finds doing so when he returns. Waking up is about doing. 
It's about participating in God's work. And we see this in the parable of the talents, where the guy, the guy had entrusted him with some money and said, uh, you go make the most of this. But the guy said, I'm not going to take that talent, that money. And instead he went and buried it in the ground and hid it. And so when the master came back and he came looking for the talent and came looking for the investment of his money, there was nothing. The guy had hid it in the ground. He had wasted it. And this is what Jesus calls you and I to do, is waking up is about using the gifts and the talents you and I have been giving to make the most of God's work in the earth, to join in and serve the Lord God Almighty with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It isn't delaying saying, well, when the master comes back later, I'll have that talent ready for him so he can see I preserved it, and it's in just as he gave me. No, Jesus isn't looking for preserving. Jesus is looking for an investment in the gifts and talents that you and I have learned how to multiply what he's entrusted to us. And that means it will be good when he finds them doing. Working, serving, loving the Lord, worshiping the Lord, honoring God, giving all of our lives. Listen, you and I are not going to get into heaven because of our doing. Let's not get that mistake. But Jesus is certainly calling us to use what he has entrusted us to work and serve the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength to make sure that we are giving to God, what, back to God, what he has entrusted to us. It is this idea of God, where are you at work and how do I join in of the kingdom of God on the the earth? How do I become a participant in and joining in and making sure I'm participating that where God is initiating a work, I'm going to go. Lord, if you call me to go down there and share the gospel with my friend, yes, Lord, I'll go. Lord, if you call me to just faithfully pray here, yes, Lord, I'll do that. Lord, if you call me to give, yes, Lord, I'll do that. It's about obedience. It isn't about doing as much as it is about obedience and making the most of what God has entrusted to us. So be dressed as the musicians come ready for service, and keep your lamps burning. Be dressed, ready for service. Keep your lamps burning. And I want to leave you with this picture. As I thought about the gospel being an awakening, an awareness that I once was in sin, I once was blind, but now I see. I once was not aware of what God is doing, but now I am aware. There is something truly and I, I hope that we can maybe remember this moment or picture this moment if you haven't had this type of moment. There's something truly beautiful about when you once saw things one way, but when you were transformed by the gospel, you saw things a different way, in a better light, in a better understanding, in a better talent, or in a, in a better just observation. The gospel is about waking up. And if there was ever a picture of somebody becoming awake and aware of this, it was a poor blind man whose name was Bartimaeus. And I look at Bartimaeus' story over and over again because there are so much figurative images, but so much that God is doing in this story of Bartimaeus. The Bible says that, Jesus, that Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus in the town. And he began to cry and shout, Jesus, son of Nazareth. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And the disciples tried to keep him, keep him quiet. And to, or the others were tried to rebuke him and told him, don't say a word. Don't speak here. This, no, don't do that. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. Call him. So they called to the blind man. And notice what Jesus says to him. Or they said to him. They said, cheer up. On your feet. He's calling you. 
I love that. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. And they came to Jesus. He jumped to his feet, the Bible says. And Jesus said to this blind man, what do you want me to do for you? And Jesus asked the blind man, Rabbi, I want to see. I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. And the Bible says, watch this, immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Immediately, when his eyes were open, watch what he did. He didn't run away. He didn't abandon the moment. He didn't forget, give up and go sit back down on the street. Watch what he did. When his eyes became open, he followed Jesus. Because this is the power of the gospel. And this is the power of God's work on the earth. Is that when you and I become awake and aware. That there is no greater response. There is no greater joy than to say, Lord, I'm following you with everything I've got. I lived on that street for a long time. The people knew I was blind Bartimaeus. I was poor. I was begging there all the time. But now that I have seen, I'm aware and I'm awake that this Jesus he didn't just heal my eyes. He's the Son of God. Have mercy on me, he said. Bartimaeus knew that he wasn't just a healer. He was the Son of David. He was the one who was the Messiah, the one that they had been waiting for to come. And his faith healed him, Jesus said. So go, and he followed them. And I'm praying today that this would be the story of our community this year, the story of our world, that we become aware of God's work and join in. We don't resist the work of God. We don't go to sleep on the work of God. But we become constantly waking up like a spiritual alarm clock. Always vigilant and waking up and working and serving. Because the hour, the Bible says, comes when nobody knows when the Son of Man will come. When He will appear. And what a glorious moment that will be when Jesus comes back for His beautiful bride, the church of Jesus. What a beautiful moment that will be when Jesus comes and rescues you and I and says, now for eternity, come and live with me. Would you stand with me this morning? This morning, as we are praying and fasting and throughout this month, I want to encourage you as I've been praying this month and I hope would be a prayer for all of us here today is, Lord, help me to become aware of what you are doing so that I might join in and participate. Lord, if you're working at my neighbor's house and I need to be there, open my eyes so I might see it. Lord, if you're calling me to serve you in some capacity and I don't see it, open my eyes so that I might see, Lord. I want to join in and participate. Be ready. Watch. Ready. Do. Serve the Lord while you can with all of your heart and might. And this morning, if that's you and you need prayer today, you want that kind of joy that comes I want to invite you to just come this morning. We'd love to pray with you. Just come stand at the front. However, we could pray for you today. Or maybe you just want to kneel at your seat. That's fine too. But this morning, can we just take some time in prayer to say, Lord, help me to see. Help me to wake up and realize what you're doing that I might participate in. So, Lord, today we call to you this morning. Oh, how we need you, Lord. Oh, how we need that awareness that Bartimaeus had, how he looked at darkness. But you opened his eyes and he beheld not just light, not just trees and streets. He beheld the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 
And God, today we pray that we might have a fresh awakening this morning to the work that you are doing in the earth, Lord. That we might join in, participate, God. That we might serve you while it is day because night is coming when no man can work. Lord, help us today, Father, to continue serving, to be watchful and ready, Lord, to always resist this enemy, the God of this age, Lord. Father, we know today that in your hands, Lord, we are safe and secure. So, Lord, help us, Father, to run to you today, Lord, to be aware, God, of how you're working in our lives, Lord. Father, this morning we ask you today, what are you calling us to, Lord? What are you saying to us, Lord, in our lives? How are you speaking, Lord? Help us to not ignore your voice, but to become ears to hear, Lord, that we might follow you like Bartimaeus did. Lord, we thank you this morning today. We trust in you today. As the choir sings, you need prayer, you want to pray this morning. Let's just call upon the Lord today as a church and say, Lord, what are you doing and how do I participate in it? Lord, where are you working? How is the kingdom working? And I need to join in and participate. We thank you, Lord, today. God, awaken us this morning. Waken us today, Lord, we thank you. Let's all sing this morning.